Welcome to the Fitness Nerdcast. I'm your co-host Ryan Smith with fellow coach Stephanie Holbrook, where we get a chance to geek out on all things fitness and bring it to you. First off, things presented here are our opinions developed with over 40 years of combined experience. We are not medical doctors and any information presented here is purely informational. If you'd be interested in working with us, please email us at fitnessnerdspodcast at gmail.com or hop over to our website and blog at fitnessnerdspodcast.com. While you're online, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fitnessnerdspodcast. Now on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the podcast. Tonight, I have Peter Defty again. He's a great resource for becoming fat adapted. Peter's going to talk about a hard reset going into the holidays so you can use your holidays as a way to improve your performance. So welcome, Peter. Thank you for having me on again, Stephanie. I'm looking forward to this particular podcast. Tell the folks what a hard reset is. Okay. Um one of the reasons, the reason I'm looking forward to this is, is the holiday season is generally everybody's off season. So it's the perfect time to do what, what we call a hard reset. And, and the hard reset is where we really want you to ratchet down the carbs for, um, at least a week or so, five to seven days, really tight. And that's the hardest part about it, where you have to be the most disciplined. But after that, the window opens up. And you've reset your physiology to be fat burning. Um, it brings your insulin levels down, get your insulin sensitivity, your leptin sensitivity higher so that your body is going to want to burn the fat. This is what, this is the thing that optimizing fat metabolism is all about. We don't want to force the body to burn fat, which is what most diets, when you're doing calorie restriction or high carb, low fat, you, you, the body wants to store fat and it wants to hoard the fat and it wants to hold on to it. So, you know, putting yourself in a calorie deficit and trying to exercise um, is a really tough way to do it. And, and as most people have found out the hard way, you know, it's not sustainable. Um, getting your body into this fat adapted state, which, you know, we at uh, Vespa term is, would like to think is, is our natural heritage uh, as fat burners, because that's what we carry mostly fat for, is because we're made to burn fat, and we're made to use glycogen as our fight-or-flight uh, fuel. So um, I was listening to Stephen Finney talk the other day, and he was talking about it takes like six weeks to become fat-adapted. So does it make a difference if you're an athlete or if you're following a certain diet already? Well, the heart, here's the thing. Uh, what Steve was saying is, is correct. Um, it really takes that, that week, uh, if you, you know, I'm assuming most of the people were who are listening are, are somewhat athletic in terms of their, their active, physically active. So the more physically active you are, the bigger the window is in terms of it's easier to fat adapt and it's, and you have a bigger window of, of carb tolerance once you're fat adapted. So there's usually a period of, two or three days to two weeks of this hard reset where you have to be very disciplined about the carbs. And, and you know, I suggest that most people use the standard metric of low carbing, which is 50 to 60 grams. Some people 
Uh, if they've got some insulin resistance and leptin resistance going on, they have to go down to below 30 grams of carbs to get that, that physiological shift to take place. But once you get that in place, then it also takes time for um, the body to upregulate the hormones and enzymes you need to really burn fat at a high rate. I mean, so like we say, when you make that shift, you're going to feel crappy for a couple of days, some people more than others. And we're going to talk about that a little further down. But but once you get over that, you know, you're not craving carbs, you're, you're not perpetually tired, but you don't feel great yet either. And then it takes that other six weeks, sometimes eight, 10, 12 weeks before you really start to see that difference. So yeah, you know, we want to take two weeks of really being pretty strict and then the next four weeks, you know, being being highly strategic in, in allowing some amounts of concentrated carbohydrates to come in. And go ahead. I think sometimes though, folks, they take away the carbs but they don't necessarily add in the fat and and they they overdo it with the protein. Can you talk a little bit about gluconeogenesis and and what's going on there and and what's the ratios that that you should shoot for? Yeah, the, well, right off the bat, you should be shooting for a high fat diet, which means you're looking at 70 to 80% of your calories being um fat calories during that hard reset time. Now, now a lot of people think, oh my God, I'm going to be eating mounds of fat, and, and that's not true at all, okay? We're talking, because fat is so dense, and particularly um, because you're going to be eating more saturated fat, and saturated fat can have up to 9.5, 9.6 calories per gram, um, you actually eat a whole lot less. And, and then the other thing is a lot of people don't realize that in a lot of natural foods like whole eggs, uh, well-marbled steaks, like things like prime rib, New York steaks, you know, ribeyes, things, and, and I'm talking the choice or prime where they have some marbling, or or fresh ground chuck, okay? These kinds of food and whole whole eggs, um, th- these kinds of foods, half or more of the calories are fat calories, okay? So, you know, I'm talking about maybe having a New York strip steak and maybe – Maybe putting a little butter on it and, that, and, and some steamed broccoli with some butter. And, and like I say, if you're in doubt when you're doing this, add butter. <laughs> that's, right. just that, that's our mantra. If you're, if you're in doubt about, about the ratio, just add butter. That's what uh, I was having a hard time getting things lined up. And I listened to Jimmy Moore talk about um, he added what everybody took. He added butter to each bite. And um, that's really when everything started working for me when I started doing that. So I just add like each bite I take of a steak or chicken or whatever, add butter. Yep, when in doubt, add butter. Now, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, gross, but it's, it's, it's not like that. If you put some slather some butter on your steak after you grill it, you're, pretty it's gonna make, it's pretty, it's pretty tasty. Or you have a piece of grilled salmon and you just slather it in butter. It's pretty tasty. Um, and then, you know, my kids, I steam broccoli for them and it's butter, salt and pepper in heaps and they just gobble it down. Yeah. It makes everything better. And I think it, you know, butter gives food a better mouthfeel or lard or tallow or, or any of that. It just, um, it tastes good in your mouth or coconut oil. Um, 
it's I, I mean I think we've been made to eat fat. Yeah, so so people need to to understand you're going to be eating real food. You're not going to be eating these mountains of fat. Um and it's going to be quite satiating so that they don't I don't want people it's it's actually as complicated as this whole fat metabolism is to really get your body to trigger into this. It's actually quite doable. So you know, the ratios are 70, 80% during the hard reset and you want to, you know, you want to try and shoot for that, but you know, it don't start trying to concentrate. My advice is don't concentrate on getting the macronutrient and the calories, right? Just like I said, grill a steak, get some fresh ground chuck and make a greasy burger with some cheese on it. If you tolerate cheese well and steam some vegetables and put butter and salt and pepper on them. It's that simple. Uh, make a big salad, use California olive oil. Um, and you know, you can make things really, you know, you can have, you, you really can have a, a great amount of things. Uh, avocados, like, like taking avocados and putting a little bit of sour cream or, 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 uh, you know, cooking an egg with avocado. Those are all the kinds of things you can have. Omelets, cheese, Avocado and cheese omelets, veggie omelets. Um, it, it's not. It's not hard. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of sodium whenever you start ketogenic diet or are doing the hard reset? Because we've been conditioned to believe that sodium is not good for us, but whenever your body is fat adapted, you know your your whole physiology changes how it handles sodium. That's correct, and that's a good point. Um, and this is well studied in in the uh, low carb literature. So when your body makes that switch over, you start to excrete sodium um, because one of the ways, and particularly with athletes, one of the things your body does to deal with the excess um, excess and, and what are literally toxic uh, loads of glucose when you when you eat a high carb diet is it stores as glycogen. And, and when you store glycogen, you're storing four uh, molecules of water and fluid. It's water and electrolytes with every glycogen. So you end up storing, and that's why pe- some people get really puffy looking. So when you when you adapt, your body starts to excrete all the low so- water and sodium. So so you if, you if you're drinking and you're hydrating, you're an athlete in particular, you start going to the bathroom a lot and you're going to be excreting a lot of sodium. And, and what people don't realize is sodium is very critical to maintaining proper blood volume. And when people make the switch, there's this oftentimes because of what you've just said about the fear of sodium, just like the fear of fat, people restrict their sodium and they get what they call is the Atkins flu, which they're lightheaded, they, they're lethargic, um, they get constipated, and it has to do all these kinds of uh, things that people say happen when they go on low carb and it doesn't work for them is are due mainly to not having enough uh, sodium in the diet. You you drink to thirst, but you add you need to make sure you're you're adequately um, getting enough sodium. And that it it doesn't mean you you've got to be taking heaps of sodium. It means you just got to be be salting the taste and go by your taste buds and, and what you like and you know things like olives or feta cheese or some dill pickles in a pinch are, are fine and and drinking to thirst to maintain your your blood volume because blood volume is, your blood is high in sodium um, and when you sweat 
over 80% of your, your electrolyte profile is sodium and, and mostly as sodium chloride. Right. That's what uh, I was listening to Stephen Finney talk about, how the Maasai drink blood from the cattle for the main reason to get sodium. Um, that's that's correct. That's correct. And back to your thing about the protein. Uh, the other common mistake, uh, the common mistakes people make are they don't get enough, they don't get their carbs low enough for their individual um, makeup to to trigger uh, the switch to uh, ketosis or or fat adaptation. Um, they don't get enough salt. We just talked about but the other thing is that is a lot of people. When they say low carb, they restrict the carbs, but they also don't get enough fat in and they, they increase the protein. And the protein um, ends up, excess protein ends up getting converted to sugar. And then the amine groups get sent to your kidneys and your kidneys get a working over. So um, it's, a, it's a common mistake that people make. And then some of the proteins, if they're doing high protein and, and not enough fat, uh, you know, if they're particularly sensitive to a certain protein like dairy protein, uh, they'll have allergic reactions, which is not going to help the fat adaptation either. Right. I can speak to the salt um, issue. If you live in a warm climate, it's a lot of salt because I was adding salt and I was feeling, you know, not, not great. And I was starting getting to get muscle cramps. If you live in Arizona and you exercise in the heat, you need like a crap load of salt. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, and it, you're you're absolutely right. When you're when when people are exercising in warm to to hot climates and they're fat adapted, the amount of sodium they're going to need per hour during exercise is it, it's it from a conventional standpoint, it's scary. Yeah, um, it's a lot of salt, and if. I mean, I just kept adding salt until I felt better. I add salt to my water bottles. I take like four electrolytes an hour. And um, and I still, whenever I'm feeling a little off, I just go and drink some broth with a lot of salt, like a couple teaspoons. And that usually makes me feel better right away. Um, but I live in Arizona, so and it's dry here. So even if you're just sitting around, you're going to start... They're going to sweat. Yeah, yeah. Now, and and this is the thing. This is why with optimized fat metabolism, it's a conceptual model because there's individual variation. You know, your genetics, your situation, but then there's these these other variables like environmental. So, you know, if your listeners are up there in Wisconsin, they're not going to need a whole lot of salt this time of year. But you know, in July, in the in the humidity and the heat, it's going to be a different story. So, um, people need to be willing to pay, play with this, and just like. Um, Timothy Noakes says in Waterlog, drink to thirst. In normal times, I don't. You, we don't want people to prehydrate before they go out. Prehydrating means drinking like within a minute or two of starting exercise. And and other than that, don't prehydrate um, and get plenty of salt. And then also to supplement with with broth. And and the broth can be taken in. And this is this leads to our whole holiday thing. Broth can be taken in either straight broth. Or you can make soups with it. You can make sauces with it. Um, uh, you know, Stephanie and I have our easy broth way, which is real doable. You know, you get a rotisserie chicken or you roast a chicken, you roast a duck, you roast a turkey. You eat it and throw the carcass in a stock pot. Add a couple, add, you know, about roughly a little less than a teaspoon 
of sea salt per quart of water and or or less just depends and if you want to throw some some celery and carrots and onions in there to taste and garlic that's fine just toss it in and get it to a boil and put it on a low simmer and leave it leave it go all night and and that's the easiest and simplest way you can you can make broth i like to add a tablespoon of gelatin after i strain it the next morning to get to add to to add to beef up the gelatin, there'll be a lot of gelatin in the broth when you cool it. But I like to beef it up so you get that extra gelatin for your joint joint right. and, and skin health. Um, and for those that, ladies out there, it helps with your wrinkles. Yeah, so. no, it, it's 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 and and the thing is 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 what we see with athletes is when you have a volume of training by the end of the season, you're literally depleted, and 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 it's a lot of it come from doing high volumes of exercise and sweating and recruiting the mineral salts and they come they come mostly out of your liver and your bones actually and this is why a lot of endurance athletes have weak weak bones and they get burned out at the end of the season because they're constantly recruiting those salts and not putting them back in and this is why having enough salt in your diet and and supplementing with bone broth so you not only get salt but you get all the other trace mineral salts um, that your body um, over time will deplete of, but it won't deplete of immediately the way you deplete of like things like sodium and potassium. Right. And another thing about when you make the broth, save, save all the giblets and um, all the, the heart and the you know gizzard and everything. Put those in the broth too because that adds a lot of nutrients. A- absolutely, absolutely. You know, I was I was at a cycling camp this weekend and. and uh, uh, one of the doctors I'm working with now is Dr. Jonathan Edwards, and he uh, coaches a number of the uh, pro cyclists in Europe. The the guys doing the pro tours, and and he's he's a recent convert to OFM, and and those are the things that are just so full of nutrition: the liver, the heart, the j- kidneys, the neck, the all these things. So you know you don't want to let any of that go to waste because you're you're wasting the the most nutrient dense part. Broth pretty much is pretty filling. So in the holidays, whenever, you know, if you're going to a party or something, a lot of times I'll drink some before I leave so I won't be as hungry and as tempted to eat stuff that's there. Yeah, but also for a holiday meal, Steph, you know, using that as a base for a soup or a sauce. Or um, gravies or something like that. Exactly. And, and, you know, one of the simplest things I do is take broth this broth and I'll either steam asparagus or broccoli or what other vegetable I can find and and get some sour cream and mix them all together in a blender and you make you make these delicious cream cream of mushroom, cream of broccoli, cream of asparagus soups. They're very rich, very nutrient dense, very satisfying and, and as a starter you don't serve a whole lot and you garnish it with maybe some sour cream and some parsley or 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 basil or something like that, and it, and it just makes um, for a nice thing. And you you can you can also mix it up with coconut coconut milk. Um, there's there's variations on a theme. You can make curries out of them, and, and all these these rich things will keep you in that fat adapted mode, and, and and you'll be eating rich, really delicious and satisfying foods. And you won't you know you'll be port you just automatically portion control when you're having these kinds of foods. Right. And so after the holidays, um, and people generally are exercising lighter, 
you live in Arizona, it seems like that's when everybody's like, ooh, I have time off. I can go and ride for hours. But um, And it's nice here now. Transitioning back into their training schedule, you know, how do you go about transitioning from doing the slow-carb reset to your training nutrition? Okay, well, um, I want to back up a thing because that was the other that you just jogged my memory about. The other thing people make mistakes on when they're doing that hard reset, and that is exercising. Okay, I want to tell your audience when you get ready for this, the first thing to do is get educated, meaning understand the physiology of what's happening. And basically, what you're going to do is you're going to take away the energy source your body's used to because your insulin levels are high. You're not going to be able to tap into the, the, the energy source, your body, you, you want to go to, which is fat. And so it's like a crack addict on crack withdrawal or nicotine withdrawal, et cetera. It's, it's a substance abuse withdrawal type symptoms. And so you don't want to be, you want to pick this off season to not exercise. Make sure you tell your, your, your partner, your wife, your husband, your, your work colleagues and even your kids, look, mom or dad's going to be a little grouchy or a little lethargic because, because you might be, you might be sitting on the couch, you know, not doing much of anything for, for a day or two before you, you can get going. And one of the things that I see so many people do is, is they'll try and, they'll try and do everything at once. So they'll start exercising and they'll start doing the low carb and they wind up with, you know, a real disaster and, and potentially seeing some adrenal fatigue, you know, so, so that's one of the first thing to know. And then once they've gotten through that, 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 that hard reset and not exercise, then you can start to exercise. And I suggest for a lot of people, depending on, on, on their, their activity level and everything else, you know, just going for a walk, a half hour walk partner for the dog, that's going to get things in motion. Okay. So, so you can take it easy. So say you go through that, that hard reset for three to five days and you come out of it, and, you know, you want to get moving again. Well, go for a walk, do some light stretching. You don't have to, I suggest for the first two or three weeks, people really be air on the side of caution. So, so we're going to make this easier, not harder in terms of the training. So that's the, the big key is to have low, low intensity until you're completely fat adapted. And, and I know that's, different for a lot of people, you know, depending on who you are. Um, but then um, how do you know you're past that introduction to um, to sensitizing your system that you're ready to start doing more intensity? What I tell people is go mostly by feel because a lot of people will try to use, you know, ketone meters or ketone sticks or you know, they're going to look at their heart rate. You want to, you want to go by feel. So you're, you're not going to, all of a sudden that those hunger triggers every two hours are going to be gone. Um, you're going to start to have even energy. You won't have that huge energy you see like you're seeing now, now that well adapted, but you'll, you'll have that consistent energy where you won't be nodding off in the afternoon. And if you're sleeping well and you should be getting, you should be sleeping well, but you'll probably sleep one to two hours less per night. And so that's the point where you can start exercising. You shouldn't be like famished. In fact, when you if you're exercising at the right level of base training, you should see an hour to three hour um, 
period where you really aren't hungry for an hour or two or three. Right. Okay. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, I know that is true. Yep. And then as you move down the spectrum, I suggest a lot of people um, do mafetone for two or three weeks. The mafetone method, low heart rate training, and, and start with that for two or three weeks. And then once you get beyond that, you know, and, and keep the concentrated carbs as moderated as possible once you're in this area and you can have a little something when you go, but try, try and, you know, work on staying somewhat disciplined as you go through this. And then once you start beyond that two or three weeks of strict mafetone, low heart rate training, then you want, you do want to bring some intensity in always with a good warm up two, three times a week to start to move your aerobic envelope higher and higher. And, and with that, that fat adapted, uh, state so that you can burn fat at higher and higher intensities. Right. And the, uh, we talked a lot about that in a previous podcast under the, um, the OFM pyramid, the optimizing fat metabolism pyramid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Another thing as we, we do this holiday reset, one of the things I will mention that, that I'm seeing a lot of success with is during the hard reset, um, a lot of athletes I'm working with, they're not exercising, but during their work day, what they're doing is they'll take a Vespa at nine and two instead of snacking at nine and three. Okay. And oh, that, that's good. And that's a, that's a real good way of, so before the tr- hunger trigger comes during snack time, you they're they're taking a Vespa and they're finding they can go to three meals a day, and that's another key thing for for this is you want to get, you know this this idea of, of five or six small meals and snacks is really well intended but but really bad advice, um, you know particularly with women the cycles of leptin with with food. Um, is is really it really gets your 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 rhythm your circadian rhythm out of whack in terms of your hormonal rhythms that go along with your circadian rhythm and so if you're constantly eating you're constantly secreting leptin and you're and the leptin's telling your brain hey I've eaten I'm full but the problem is is when it does that too much you become leptin and resistance it's like it keeps making this noise and you just don't hear like insulin resistance is the cells don't know how to respond to that message anymore. That That's correct. And it's part of this, like I was saying earlier to you, is this hormonal dance between the, hor- the, the hormone of insulin, leptin, and ghrelin in your stomach. Because, and it's particularly, it's particularly sensitive in women because women, se- women secrete two to three times as much leptin as men. So the snacking thing can really get away, get away from people. Right, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of folks I know who follow this type program, including myself, I don't eat breakfast in the morning. I just drink coffee with uh, coconut oil and sometimes a little bit of butter. And then um, I eat lunch at 12. And then I'll come home and eat usually around um, 4.30. And then I don't really eat a dinner. Like, I that's like the last meal of the day I'll sit down with my family and eat a little you know maybe a little snack while they eat their dinner at 6:30 but after that I pretty much don't eat. Yeah, so. and that's really that's really important 
for people to know that that their normal pattern. Um, I'm not saying don't. It's it, you have to be perfect. I, I don't want people to try to be perfect, but your normal pattern should be that after you you eat by seven, you don't eat the rest of the night. So you really are doing at least one intermittent fast a day. Right. So you want to have like the longer of non-eating window possible. You want to have the biggest window you that you can manage of of no food. Absolutely. And so it does a number of things and we won't get into that, but but I also want people to know don't don't think you have to be perfect. You just have to do this most of the time and if you can if you can manage to get into the holiday spirit and do it for most of the time you'll be you'll be fine um especially if you do it once in a while and you'll also you'll become more sensitive so that when you do um go out and you have something later in the evening and all that you'll notice it in, in a way that will give you that positive feedback on on why you you really don't want to be doing it all the time right right it's always a nice reminder so yeah. Now, now, one of the things I want to tell people is with the with the holidays, the, the message I want to get across is is this the holidays is really a great time to do this because um, if you know how to get the right food choices, particularly if you're the one in control of the cooking, and know how to just resist the stuff you want to stay away from, you can navigate the holidays without too much negative impact. And and I would venture to say if you're if you're open to it. You probably get through the holidays better. You'll pick up less weight and you'll eat, eat more rich food. So, you know, things like turkey, you know, the Thanksgiving, the turkey and the ham, go for it. The the vegetables, you know, right. um, you know, make vegetables in these kind of rich casserole type of dishes and um, you'll be fine. Just avoid the dressing, the mashed potatoes, the sweet yeah. potato casserole. I put together a whole um, menu different menus of different meats and vegetables and stuffing that's um, high fat, low carb, moderate protein. Yep. And so if people want to go to my website, stephanieholbrookfitness.com, you can pick it up for free and it'll pretty much lay out you know, all kinds of food options. I have appetizers, salads, gravies, main courses, side dishes, and even desserts. Yeah, no, and I'll check that out and because there's all kinds of things, you know, I'm, I make, there's things like pate, um, caviar, all these, these, you know, guacamole. There's, there's just, there's a whole host of really great options out there that, that people, um, can do it. And, and Stephanie's got this on her site. And if people start poking around on, on the web, there's lots of people who have, uh, developed all kinds of great options for desserts. Um, so, so there's, there's really there's no reason to say, yeah, 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 there's, there's no, you don't feel like you're going to have anything and then you're going to come out the other end, not having to dump 15 or 20 pounds and being metabolically in a, in a much better state to start your, your new year training in a, in a great way. For the folks like Zach Bitter and ended up breaking the world record so it's a pretty nice payoff yep 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 and zach yeah zach's gonna go shooting for some more records here in early december at desert solstice down there in arizona actually oh yeah too bad i'm going to be in mexico that weekend i always miss that race now one of the things we ought to also ought to mention is um that 
you know, as we go into winter, people need to be aware of their vitamin D. I've been doing a lot of reading and actual work with athletes with that. And vitamin D status is really key. And, and, and concomitant with that is your vitamin A and vitamin K2 status, which, which if you're doing the OFM diet isn't a problem because, um, you're getting your plenty of vitamin A and K2 through, through liver. Um, whether it's fresh liver, pate, liverwurst, or liver tablets. And so people need to be either in the sun in, the, in a lower latitude. If you're living in places like Los Angeles and south, like in Phoenix um, or Louisiana or, or s- south Texas, you know, and you're out in the sun plenty, you should be getting plenty of uh, sun exposure to trigger vitamin D production if you're on the OFM diet. But uh, if not, you need to either be getting uh, sun exposure through a UVB lamp in a tanning bed or a spare tea lamp or supplementing with vitamin D3. Right. A lot of folks in Arizona, I know, use a ton of sunscreen so their skin doesn't actually get exposed to the sun. And if you have a high antioxidant diet, you generally don't burn that much because I rarely use sunscreen and I don't get burned. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's and that's one of the things all the athletes I work with now know when they get on this when they get on OFM and they exercise it's the sun the sun situation changes and and there's actual data from the Western State study in 2012 showing how much faster uh the fatty acids in the cell membranes of of cheek cells which would would also mean, you know, it would imply that that other cells also recover just much faster. So I think when you're, when you're, when your cells are, are robust because you're giving them all the building blocks they need, plus you're sweating to cool yourself. And, you know, this is, and, and, and you know, you think about how, uh, humans evolved and, and how, you know, getting that sun exposure was really key to their health. And it's not, and you know, they didn't have sunscreen 200 years ago. Yep. So. Yep. And they didn't have, they didn't go get up in the morning and have a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. They, and primitive man didn't get up in the morning and grab, have a bowl of oatmeal and grab a couple of gels and go out stalking animals. Right. You know, it just didn't work that way. They had so, to kill something before they ate it. So. That's right. And sometimes they'd have to chase it a long way. So, that, so they, they were burning fat. Anything else? I mean, I, you know, I would like to, I would like it if your uh, listeners want to chime in and, and give you feedback. And we're, I'm more than willing to come back on and kind of delve into certain areas of this. But but the take home is eat rich, eat well, and don't, you know, if you stay away from the carbs, you're going to be fine. Uh, the worst thing you can do is if you combine the two, the, you know, the, the rich yeah, foods. High with, fat, with high sugar, bad combo. Bad combo, high starches, bad combo, unless right. you're going to go out and, you know, if you eat that kind of meal, you better plan the next day on going out all day and, and taking in very little calories. Right. If you go long and slow. And uh, so if folks want a menu um, plan, you can go to my website, Stephanie Holbrook Fitness, and it'll be under a tab that says uh, holiday menu plan. And um, if you have questions for Peter or you want to hear about a specific topic, just send me a message or just uh, leave a comment under the Fitness Nerds podcast under the show. Yep, and I think I think uh, your your audience is going to see if they if they navigate this right, they're going to be able to get through the holidays 
eating eating a lot but not overeating and coming through the holidays um in pretty good fashion yeah and with yeah. a whole lot less bloat and not having to lose that extra five ten pounds that they gained right and, and being in a lot better uh shape metabolically to um start the season yeah, yeah. exactly exactly all right great. all right Peter, well, thank you so much for your time, and I hope we really help a lot of folks out there, and I appreciate it, and I will chat with you later. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you uh, for having me.